0: Father, uh, as we do get into your word tonight, I do pray God that you would just speak to us. Lord, we have Paul here trying to trying to reach a group that are, God, they're just struggling with with just getting bombarded with some false teaching and false teachers coming in and he's pouring into them truth. And Lord, the thing I know for my life is when when I rely and trust your truth, that God, then I have clarity on how to walk and things I have to deal with. So I just pray, I pray that tonight we would understand Lord, what you have for each one of us, and God, we'd be able to hide that in our hearts and, and hold on to that. I think especially as, uh, Lord, we're going through a lot of different things, and, and some of us are on the top of the mountain and rejoicing, some of us feel like the mountain's on top of us, and, and we're hurting and, and trying to get through, and yet, God, I know you'll meet every one of us right where we're at and minister to our hearts. And so, God, be glorified in this time, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, last time we were in Colossians, if you remember, we were looking at uh, uh, Paul just talking about who we are to set our mind on things above, and then he talked about putting off some things. Getting rid of some things, and I think that's always important in, in our Christian life. Sometimes we just need to get rid of things, and, and I know for some of us, because we're hoarders, that's hard to do. So physically, we hoard, but then also spiritually, we kind of hang on to those things, and we think we can handle them. I kind of I talk about it as though we have a, like a little pet sin that we keep like over here, real tame, and take care of, and that pet sin always gets us. So he tells us, put these things off, and went through a list. Now, tonight, he's going to reverse that, and now he's going to tell us what to put on, how to dress. So put off the old man, put on the new man. And listen, I believe, I believe there are things that we need to do as believers, not to be saved, not to stay saved, but to grow, And to be changed and to have victory in this life. And I think most uh, people, especially if you're here on a Thursday night, you're kind of into Jesus. And, and, you know, I, I think you're really wanting to walk with him. So, hey, I know this is our desire. Is to have victory in our lives and and to be able to grow. So that's Paul's heart for these people. Remember again, they're you know those coming against him are are what later became Gnosticism. And it's funny that we're in First John and he's kind of battling the same thing, but it's a couple decades later as John's dealing with it and it had grown. But and listen, it's the people who act like they have the secret knowledge and. I don't know about you guys, but I always get uptight when I'm around people and they're all spiritual and they're kind of like, woo, and if you only knew what I knew, you would be like me and you'd be okay. And you know, I'm, I'm just a plain person. I'm, I'm a simple guy. And when I get around those people, I just, I feel sometimes intimidated. And then I also feel inadequate. And as believers, we don't have to feel that way. We have Jesus And Jesus is enough. And Paul's trying to get them to understand that as he's ministering to these guys. So in verse 12, we left off with verse 11. By the way, which he said, we're part of this new race, right? We're not Greek, we're not Jew, we're not circumcised, we're not uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free. We're Christ, right? We're in Christ. So he says, therefore, since that is true, as the elect of God, holy and beloved... Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Now listen, there's a lot just in these first couple verses. First of all, he draws a conclusion and Here's what I find fascinating is he's calling this group in Colossae, a town that was predominantly Gentile, right? And and probably a predominantly Gentile church. He says, you're the elect of God, holy and beloved. That's interesting because in Deuteronomy chapter 7, God calls Israel almost the same thing. And he talks about them being, ele- and I know some people, some people don't like that whole election thing. They get like all freaked out about it. And you know, I always like to tell people, I'm pretty stoked. You know, you can feel bad about it, but hey, I know I'm saved. And I know that if God didn't choose me, I wouldn't be saved. And I'm really glad I'm where I'm at, you know? And, and so you can fight that doctrine, you can hate it, but even in Deuteronomy chapter seven, God says, I didn't choose you because you were great. I didn't choose you because you were perfect. I didn't choose you because you were the most, and he's talking to a nation of everybody. I chose you because I wanted to, and I feel the same about me. I didn't do anything to deserve what God has given me and deserve what God has done for me. And so he calls them elect, but also he says, they're not only the elect, they're the holy. And again, holy means you're separated unto. Not so much, Again, if you're newer to the faith, a lot of times we think of holy as a guy that's got a little halo going on and always walks around like this and they're, you know. No, holy means you're separated to God. And he separated us out where people were unique. As he said in verse 11, we're we're part of this unique family and this unique work he's doing. And then beloved. I kind of like just the way he lays this out. So it's all terms that God always used for Israel. Now Paul is taking them and using them for the church. And he says, listen, therefore, because of that, because of who you are, not to get to who you are, but because of who you are, then these things should be things that are obvious in your life. When he talks about putting on, listen, put on tender mercies, kindness, uh, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Listen, as he's going through these, it's interesting to me that they're not attributes that we strive to get, and we're gonna find out in a minute, they're a outworking of what's happened to us internally. God changes us, and if, listen, if God has not changed you, then I don't mean to be blunt, but then you're probably not saved. God changes you from the inside out. Doesn't mean everybody's gonna be perfect, everybody's gonna be doing this all the time, but that begins to happen, and listen, as he talks about, the very first thing he talks about is tender mercies, and, and I think that's, you know, kinda showing some sensitivity towards people and being sensitive about what's going on in their lives and stuff. And as we're gonna find out, here's the thing, what he lists here, check it out, they're all relational things. They're not just things like you need to be a little bit more efficient, you need to use your time better, you need to be a little bit more productive or whatever. Here's what he says, these are relational things. Because we're born again, Our relationships are gonna change and our relationships should be enhanced because of Jesus in our life. They shouldn't be more difficult, they should be better. So tender mercies, you're a little bit more sensitive towards others. And again, it doesn't mean everybody's gonna be this, you know, touchy-feely kind of real sensitive person, but inside, you know, it's coming out. And then kindness. Whenever I think of kindness, I always think of Romans, that it's the kindness of God that leads to salvation. And we need to be kind people. My wife over the years always tells me, you get a lot more bees with honey or flies with honey than you do with vinegar. And I'm kinda one of those people, man, sometimes, just the other day something happened and I said, I just wanna go tell them. She goes, I wouldn't do that. (laughs) And then sometimes she says, what are you studying this week? Something about. tender mercies kindness yeah well that's just for teaching purposes it's not that i have to but kindness again i don't think we need that explained to us but it's showing people listen it's demonstrating that to others and have you ever found out as you are kind what happens in retaliation towards you uh, some people take advantage, but most don't. Most it changes everything, right? And it fixes things. So again, in, in relationships, think about that towards others. Humility. Now here's an interesting thing. In classical Greek, remember this, the New Testament is written in Greek, but it was written in a, in, in, a, in a Greek of common language. It's called Koine Greek. Do you know in classical Greek, the Greeks did not have a word for humility? Because they despised humility humility. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? That here is our God who brings about this whole idea of we need to be humble people. And we need to, you know, we need to example that to others. And I found in my life, when we exercise humility, it's a lot easier as a humble person to lift somebody up than it is to be all proud and arrogant, because then you're reaching down and it's easier to get under somebody to lift them up. So he says, listen, you gotta, you gotta you know, put on that humility and then meekness, and again, meekness is not weakness. It always bothers me when people get, you know, oh, I don't know, I'm not gonna be no doormat. It sounds to me like a lot of this is just about a doormat. Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and it, no, meekness is what? Strength under control, right? We find out Jesus was meek and mild so again he's saying man harness that power and know how to use it properly so we're people that that we're going to be meek and then he says the the one that most of us really like long-suffering yeah that's uh that's my work in progress isn't it funny how you can be long-suffering towards some things and then other things not so much And again, I think he's talking about relational things. Are you long suffering towards other people? And are you willing, listen, are you willing to let people be people? Can they make some mistakes? Can they blow it? And you're still going to be there for them? It's hard, right? It's difficult. And he says, that's what we need to do. And then, listen, I think the long suffering just goes into the next part where he says, bearing with one another. We need to be those who, man, we're going to, you know what? I am going to make it with you. Again, we're in a culture and a society now where everybody wants to give up. Everybody wants to quit. Everybody, you know, I mean, look at divorce rates, look at even relationships, and then I look at churches. People will leave a church at the drop of a hat because they're not willing to be long-suffering and bearing with one another. Here's what I've found. I've been serving this church for almost 30 years, this Christmas Eve will be 30 years that I've been here. And listen, here's what I found, people blow it. And people sometimes are hard to be around. But if I bear with them, and then exercise these other things, I can lift them up out of that spot. That's what, and. Here's what he's saying. He's not just talking about church leadership. He's talking about all of us. We need to be this. This is what we need to put on. We need to take off the ugly stuff, put on this pretty stuff, and then the big one, and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. And then here's the biggie. Even as Christ forgave you. How many of you tonight are really stoked that Jesus forgave you? I think all of you, right? right. I mean, what a joy, right? It's a joy to understand that Jesus forgave me. And here's the thing. He didn't forgive me conditionally. He didn't say, oh, Pat, I'll forgive you if you do this. He just forgave me. And he forgave me because he died on the cross for me. I need to exercise that same forgiveness to other people. And yet we want to put conditions on it. Yeah, well, I'll forgive them when they do this. Stop it. (laughs) Forgive people. And... You know, when I look at my life and I find out sometimes when I hold on to something, it's so silly because here's, I look at my life and I go, all that did was mess up my life. If I forgive them, listen, if I forgive them, even if they go on and do something stupider, if that's a word, (laughs) even if they go do that, listen, it's not on me, it's on them. And so he's letting us know, listen, we need to be people who we exercise all of these and As I go down this list, here's what I think, man. If the church of Jesus Christ would do this continually, how different would the face of the church be and that the church would be then influencing the world? And right now, listen, right now, we need it more now than ever. As people are wanting to fight and bicker about everything there is, it's just like it's driving me, I'm gonna pull my hair out. It's like driving me nuts. And it's like, come on, why don't we try and get along. I found in my life, if I put as much energy into these things that we just read as I do into the things that cause division, man, my life is so much smoother. He says, do these. Listen, so put this on. And here's what I think. It's a purposeful thing we have to do. So he gives us this, even as Christ forgave you, so you listen to the last of this so you must do so listen now we have a list right and most of us like lists right oh good i got a list here's what i need to do now here's the kicker and here's what i love listen to what paul says in the very next verse but above all these things put on love which is the bond of perfection you see if All of this isn't coming from love and not just, listen, not just love for one another, the love of Christ in me, listen, should be changing me. It's not about me following a list. It's about me being a person who's gonna walk in the love of Christ towards the world and towards others. And as I begin to do that, listen, my world is gonna change. People may not change, but my world is gonna change. Why? My perspective changes. So we need to be people that we understand that. And I kinda like this idea, listen, I don't have, to have, I don't have to have this list in front of me. All I need to do is know that the thing that holds it all together, he says, which is a bond of perfection, the thing that keeps it all together is love. And when I understand love, again, it's not, it's not just, you know, all you need is love according to the, the four. Something popped in my head, I'm not gonna share it. Don't share, don't share, don't share. So, listen, it's not that kind of love. Go in the back room. So, Ay yeah, ay. So, aye, aye, aye. so it's, not, it's not that love rob needs to leave the room (laughs) it's it's this agape unconditional love isn't it good when you can just be kind generous good to people and lifting them up and you don't expect anything in return it's because of who you are by nature paul has just told us in the verses above that we're new we're different we're a whole new race. And why aren't we acting like that new race? Why do we, why do we keep reverting back? And listen, I know we have this sin nature. I get it. But man, let's be people that we understand. I don't need a list. What I need is more of Jesus in my life and give him more control of my life. So Paul lays that out to him. Now, now, listen, he's not done because as he's, as he's, as he's doing this, I kind of I get the idea that, you know, like getting in his head a little bit, like he's going, yeah. And he writes this out and he, listen, he pens these things. Hey, because you're the elect of God, because you're holy and beloved, put these things on. But you got to remember it comes from the place of love. And that place of love, listen, now he kind of begins to grow and develop in verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Oh. Oh, you see, if I allow the peace of God to rule. Some people say that word for rule is more like umpire, but a lot of us don't get umpire. Most of us get ruling. But he says, listen, let it be that thing that kind of gives you the boundaries in your heart. And as you begin to do that, listen, as you allow the peace of God, where does the peace of God come from? From the relationship with Jesus Christ, from the fact that he died for your sin. As that peace begins to set boundaries in your heart, do you know how good life gets? Do you know, I think most of us can, can understand, man, when we're walking in the spirit, how good is that? When we're walking in the flesh, it stinks, right? He says, start doing these things more and more. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which, you, to which also, at the end of that, you were called in one body, and to be thankful we're one i try to express that a lot listen we're stuck with each other and it's kind of sad it's kind of sad because some of you go no we're not man i'll go down the street i don't have to go here and that kind of bumps me that we don't just have one church that we we have to be part of in some ways but listen man we need to be committed to each other you don't just walk away, and and I've shared, I've shared at times. The thing that bothers me the most is when when people do leave our church, I feel like they're firing me. I take it, and people will always say, "Don't take it personal." Well, how else am I going to take it, right? I mean, I'm kind of blunt, and when people come even to my face, "Don't take this personal," but we're leaving. I go, "Okay, well, I just took it personal. It just got personal," and then I said, "You're firing me. Just tell me, just." Be bold enough to say, you're fired, you know, it's okay. And listen, but how easily we just go to the next one. And again, it's part of who we are as a culture. We don't like commitment. We don't like to see things through. And yet we expect commitment towards us, but we don't want to give commitment. And we need to understand, listen, we're in this together. And if I could, I would chase people. I I would guilt trip people. But I listen, I know all of that's wrong. I, I know it's not right. But part of me wants to say, "Really?" And then usually when I make them fire me, it kind of guilt trips them anyway. And then and then I wonder why nobody tells me when they're leaving. <laughs> because I hear I hear it from other people. So and so left the church. Really? They didn't come and fire me. I wonder why they didn't come and fire me. And part of me wants to call them. "Hey, am I fired?" I haven't never done, I have never called anybody. (laughs) Tempted, but never done it, because then I put on, listen, then I put on tender mercies, and kindness, and meekness, and humility, (laughs) and I don't make the phone call, but it's tempting, right? But listen what he says, at the end of this, he says, listen, you were called in one body, and be thankful, we're one. We're not a multitude, we're one, and we need to understand, just as he said, you're no longer all these things. You're one, you're in Christ. So as he says that, listen, now Now he kind of, to me, gets down to some nitty gritty for, uh, for us. First of all, in verse 16, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We need to let the word of Christ, God's word, dwell in us. We need to sow absorb it, that it's in us, it's part of us. And the only way we're gonna do that is by reading the Word. I was watching somebody the other, uh, uh, they were they were teaching a couple nights ago and I was watching it and it's one of my favorite things to say. This book does not contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. And it needs to get in me. And, you know, again, I tell people, hey, if you can get, you know, we we even do the, Bible reading through the year. We have it on you version. It can read it to you. You don't even have to read it yourself. You can read it to you as you're going along. I mean, we'll do whatever. And it's not just because we want to be legalistic, it's because of this verse right here. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let it be powerful. Let it be something you, we need to be people of the word and that we're like always meditating and thinking about because what happens when you do that, then you're clothed with all of these things we just talked about. He says, let it dwell in you, and I love this part, richly, not just, listen, not just little tidbits. We're a culture of sound bites, right? How many of you like get on YouTube and if it's over five minutes, you click off and go to something else because it's just way too long. And we're kind of in that culture and doing that thing. And we need to be people. We're going to meditate. We're going to let the word of God work in us. And we're going to let it be in us richly. And we're going to do that. And then he says this he says, Let it dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the lord so a lot said there now listen we can divide that up somewhat but i also think it's kind of interesting number one he's centered around the word and i believe i believe everything we do as a fellowship needs to be word centered and around the word and then he says listen do it in all wisdom teaching and admonishing and when we think about teaching and admonishing are they the same thing Well, no, I think teaching, listen, I think teaching is the positive part of imparting truth and giving people truth. Admonishing is kind of the negative part of, hey, here's where you're going off kilter. Here's where you're going off. One imparts truth and the other kind of reveals the truth of where you're at or truth to your problems and you do that. And so we need to be people who, we're not afraid to do that. We bring up the word. And if you've been in this church any amount of time, you know our fellowship is about teaching. We're about teaching the word and getting the word out. And, and I think that's one of our strengths. We have some weaknesses that, that others have pointed out on their way out as they're firing me. But listen, listen, we have some of those and that's all right. But man, listen, we need to be people that, first of all, he says, in all wisdom. Where does all wisdom come from? The word and teaching and admonishing and then, but then he says it in this weird way, I think. He says, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Oh, you mean that stuff we do before we get into the word? That's not just singing? No, what is it? It's all worship, and it's accomplishing something in our lives. And we need to understand it's not just singing words. It's teaching and admonishing one another. Do you ever get convicted when you're singing a worship song? That's admonishing. Do you ever feel like you, wow, that puts it kind of together. That's a good, you know, I like that. That's teaching. But we do that, listen, we do that. And then he lists, it's funny, as I was going through this, he lists, uh, Uh, Three different things here, right? He says we need to be admonishing or teaching and admonishing one another. Oh, by the way, before we get into that, notice it's one another. It's not pastors you teach and admonish. It's all of us teaching and admonishing together, right? Because we're in this together. We're one. And then he says in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What is he talking about? It's fun to read different commentators. It depends on what the commentator's presupposition is, especially about music. And listen, we're all we all have our particulars about music right we feel this way about this kind of music this way about that kind of music some music we love some music we don't some music we despise and etc and uh, you know if it's one thing that's tough on a church it's music right because you can't please everybody all the music's not going to be the same and again we have different genres of going on and what even within the church so it was fun for me to read some of the commentaries cuz some of the commentaries there's a couple couple guys I read, they absolutely despise modern worship music. So they start in their rant. And they start doing things like it's all of the devil. I can't believe that these people would put an electric guitar up there. I can't believe in drums. Who on earth would ever allow that? So you kind of have that group. But then you have the other guys over here who are going, I'm not going to sing those old dumb songs. I'm not going to do. And you're going, God, Guy, you guys. And then you, have, then you have the one person who like reads this and he goes, I don't think he's talking about three different kinds of songs. I think he's talking about worshiping the Lord. I like that guy. That's a guy I like to read. So we could divide it up. Yeah, we could divide it up. Listen, here's, here's a division that most make is they go, Psalms are from the psalms right although it's not capitalized here so i'm not so sure he's thinking about the book of psalms but we'll give him that We'll, you know the psalms are about about singing from the book of psalms and if we you know if we put every psalm into you know music and put music with it we could sing it some of us would be blessed some of us not you know some of us would would number one we wouldn't like the way the music went we wouldn't like this or we wouldn't like that we would have to agree with the words because it's the word of God, right? But anyway, Psalms, and then others say hymns, and what I find kind of fascinating, the ones who say hymns here refer to the hymns from the time of the Reformation. Here's a newsflash. Paul wrote this way before the Reformation. Just, Just throwing that out there for those who do that. I'm thinking, seriously? Like, I had two commentators say, well, he's obviously talking about hymns that, you know, and, and you know, Charles Wesley and, and all the greats wrote. And I'm thinking, I don't think so. They weren't alive yet. Now, did the church have some hymns they wrote? Oh, some people say some of the letters we have are, are hymns. And I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know what they were singing. I don't even know what instruments they used. I don't know how they got together and did worship. I wasn't there. We don't have a lot of information about that. So, listen, what hymns are he, is he talking about? I don't know. I can't tell you. And then, so people say this, though, so, and I, I kind of like this division. Psalms are from the scripture, the, the, the psalms. The hymns are singing about God, songs about God. And then they say the spiritual songs are What he's talking about are songs that are we're singing to God and we're also singing kind of a glory, glorifying God for what he's done for us. Uh, You could divide it up that way, I guess. That's kind of what we do with some of our music. Listen, some of our music is from Psalms. We have some songs we sing that are from Psalms. We have some songs that we sing that are about God. We want to declare things about God and Other songs we sing, we want to declare things to God. And maybe that's what Paul's getting at. In other words, here's what he's getting at. Music used in worship of God. And here's what I know, it's powerful. It's powerful in our lives, but it's got to come from a place that's centered around the word. And not always just, listen, not always coming directly from the word, but it's centered around, in other words, it's got... Doctrinal truth to it. And we understand that. And because if we're not doing that, listen, if we're not doing that, what does he say? He says, we do those things singing with grace in your hearts to each other, to the Lord. It's all about, listen, it's all about that. And it's the grace, listen, I, I love that idea. With grace in your hearts, You guys have heard me say, I have a terrible voice. Some people have sat near me lately and they have confirmed that. (laughs) People tell me, man, you weren't lying, you are bad. I go, just don't sit around me then. That's why I, you know, even whenever I go to churches, I always wanna sit in the front row because if I sit behind somebody, I am not gonna sing because I don't want them turning around scowling at me. People are rude. When you sing bad, people are rude. I found that out. So listen, I like to sit in the front and do that. And, but here's the thing, I'm not, you know when people tell me your voice is bad, here's what I tell them, I'm not singing to you. So I really don't care what you think. My God hears with perfect ears. And when I sing to him, he's blessed. And that's what I'm doing. But listen, I also understand this because my wife has diligently explained it to me, that it's not polite to mess up other people's worship. (laughs) And she'll tell me, there are so many times, man, I start worshiping and and it's bad, I get carried away. And it's a good thing I have a good wife, she does this. (laughs) Like you're too loud. She told me once, you're gonna throw the whole worship team off. I go, they have earbuds, that's why they have earbuds, they can't hear me. But hey, isn't it great? And part of, part of, part of what I like, and I know this bothers some people, so we'll just address this too. We'll just kind of throw everything out there. Some of you will leave the church tonight, some of you are gonna fire me tonight, so it's okay. Part of the reason why our worship is a little bit louder in this church is me because I want it a little bit louder, because here's the thing, when it's louder, I can sing with all my heart, and here's what I think, I think I sound like that, (laughs) It's coming out of the speaker, and I go, oh man, I sound good tonight. I am like, good, and I can sing, and that's, listen, if it's not very loud, I'm not gonna really worship, because I don't like to disturb other people's worship. So I wanna sing to the Lord, and I wanna make a joyful noise, and I wanna bless him, and I know that it's not a blessing to others. I know that. So listen, man. Do you hear the heart of Paul? Paul's heart here is so that we will be changed. And teaching and admonishing, I think, changes us. But isn't it interesting? He puts it singing to one another in psalms, hymns, and spirituals. He doesn't say teaching from the pulpit. He says Teaching is we sing to one another. There should be content that ministers to us. And, and once again, I know, every song's not gonna minister to every person. Because as I said, we're all different. But we need to give each other a little bit of space. And I think this is where we go all the way back to put on tender mercies and meekness, humility, and understand that. This song may bless me like crazy. It's funny, I have conversations with, with some other pastors and stuff, and then, you know, they'll say, oh, man, they're, we're never doing that song. And I go, really, that song really blesses me. And then they'll say, well, you're so shallow theologically. And I go, well, thank you. God bless you. I'm forgiving you right now. But we have to be, and again, we want our our stuff to be sound and we want people to be ministered to and blessed. And this is what Paul's talking about. So, hey, here's the thing. If we allow the word of God to dwell in us richly, I think the rest of this verse is going to happen and it's going to take place. Oh, and then he's not done yet because here's the fun part, right? He says, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord and... Whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, listen, in word or deed, do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, whatever I do, I need to do what I'm doing so that I'm glorifying the Lord. I'm doing it in his name. And I never forget, listen, I never forget, no matter where I'm at, no matter what's going on, that I'm a representative of Jesus Christ. I'm not just a representative of Jesus Christ when I'm up here behind the pulpit or when I'm here in this building. I'm a representative of Jesus wherever I go. And whatever I do, whether it's in word or deed, I need to understand, I need to do it in the name of the Lord. And you know what, isn't it it so good when you do it in the spirit and you even listen even if you're in a bad you know awful circumstance and you do it in the spirit don't at the end of that like you go home maybe and you go yes yes I conquered the flesh today I didn't flesh out on that person because I remembered who I am in Christ and whatever I do, I'm gonna do in the name of the Lord. Listen to it, and when he talks about that, he's not talking about just, you know, a label. He's talking about, we remember, we're representing him. We're taking him wherever we go, whatever we do. I think that's always a good thing. Listen, in my life, I think it's a good thing. I would love to sit and tell you that everything I do is perfect. I never sin, I never do any of those things. And, and wouldn't it be good? It's not true. But when I stop and think, wait a minute, I'm doing this right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Is this something that would really be beneficial to him? Is this something that would be beneficial to our relationship? I often stop and think about my marriage and if I do something, is that gonna be beneficial for my marriage? Is gonna be something that's gonna be beneficial for my wife and myself in this relationship that we have? And oftentimes I choose, I'm not gonna do that because it's not beneficial. Well, the same thing in my relationship with the Lord. Is that gonna benefit? Listen, that's all Paul's talking about, is understand that and know that whatever I do, listen, whatever I do, I need to stop and think. Whether it's speaking or whether it's doing something, I need to understand that. And then, listen, then he goes a little bit further, he says, He says that we do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So when you're doing something, are you gonna be able to stop and say, oh Lord, thank you so much in the name of Jesus. Thank you that I get to do this right now. There's some things we're not gonna bring Jesus into, right? At least verbally and into, but he's there. Wherever you go, there he is. He's with us. Do you understand Paul is saying, because we're born again, because of what Christ has done in our lives, they should look so different, according to verse 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, than they did in verses 5, 6, 7, and eight. You see, we don't need to be like the world. We need to be the opposite. We need to be the different. And that's what he's talking about. So what's fascinating to me is he's moved all the way away from bad doctrine and bad theology to letting us know we need to put some things on. Most of you got dressed when you came here tonight. Thank you. (laughs) We put on clothes, didn't we? Why do we do that? Well, because it's number one, the polite thing to do. And it's a nice thing to do. Do you purposely put on Jesus before you go out? Do you purpose in your heart she's going to represent him? That's what He's talking about. So I want to do that. Listen, I want to do that. I want to do that as relationships with others. I surely want to do that, and, you know, looking at verse 16, "In my worship of God, I don't want to just sing songs. I want it to be an act of worship. And I want to enjoy him. And if I purpose in my heart to do that, here's what I found. If I purpose in my heart to do that, almost any song that we do, I'm not saying just pick any song, I can worship God. It's my heart that matters. It's my attitude. It's me. And so doesn't that happen in all aspects that he's talked about? In relationship, what happens? It's gonna be good or bad. It's your heart. Where are you gonna be? So Paul here is not giving us a list, but he's saying think about your heart and let the word of God dwell richly in you and you will be these things and you won't even have to try. A fascinating thing about this section, it sounds almost identical to the fruit of the Spirit, Is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self control. Huh. Kind of get the idea that as we walk with Him, this fruit develops? Let's stand up and pray. Father, we do thank you, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness, thank you for your word. Thank you for your challenge in our life. That Lord, we read these things and we know that it's more than just words on a page. But God, it's your desire and your heart for us. And I pray, God, as believers, that we would be men and women who first and foremost we would understand we're saved by your grace because of what you've done in our lives. And because of that, you've brought us into this whole new family, this whole new relationship, this whole new race, if you will, that we're all one in Jesus Christ and we're together. And I pray that you would make that so real for each one of us And that God, we could honor you with this thing we call life. And we could glorify you with what we say and what we do and what we sing, God. That it would be such a blessing to you and to others. Thank you for the challenge that we have as we look at this. And it challenges our Right where we live, right, every day, every day as we walk, it's a challenge for us to understand who we are in Christ. And I'm going to ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for just a couple more moments, and maybe you did come tonight, and you've never recognized the fact that you need to be saved. Even, even maybe as we, we spoke these things, God touched your heart, and you thought to yourself, I'm not like that. That's not who I am. And you realize tonight you need that change in your life. Well, the good news is all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord. Again, that kind of simplifies it. But what we're saying is you need to come to the place where you are honest with God. First of all, you let God know that you know you're a sinner. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So if you've sinned, or I should say since you have sinned, that what you've earned is separation from God. It's not just a physical death. It's also separation from God. It's a spiritual separation. That's bad news. The good news is Jesus Christ came, took your place on the cross. Yes, he died physically, but he also suffered that eternal separation that you deserve, the eternal uh, wrath of God that you deserve. He suffered that in a moment, in an instant of time for you. And now tonight, here's what he says. Your sins are forgiven. I paid for them. Here's the receipt. It's paid in full. All you have to do is take that. That's what I mean by calling on the name of the Lord. So if you want that reality in your life, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And you can say this prayer with me. You can say it out loud. You can say it silently. Volume isn't what's important, but what's important is your heart. You need to be sincere. If you're watching at home, you can say this prayer with us. You don't have to be here. If you're, if you're someone that you're, you're backslidden, man, come home. Come to Jesus. Come back to him. I like to say it this way. It's time for you to front slide. So say this prayer. Jesus, tonight I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry, God, that I sinned against you. And right now, I realize I need forgiveness. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And right now, I want you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, come into my life and guide me. Tonight, I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior.